0: Today on the Illini Enquirer podcast, we got Joey Wagner and Derek Piper on this podcast. We've got two pieces of news we want to get to. got a lot of things I want to get to with Joey Wagner, including Kevin Warren getting hired by the Bears. We heard about this report late last month, and now it is official. The Bears have hired Kevin Warren, the Big Ten Commissioner, as their new president and CEO. I got two... Th- Lines of thoughts here One is a Bears fan One uh, is somebody who covers the Big Ten So we'll get into that with Joey Wagner Derek Piper, I, I talked to him about uh, Kevin Warren a little bit as a fellow Bears fan But Derek Piper also weighs in on Nicolo Moretti Had Derek on the podcast earlier this week to talk about the Nebraska win Of course, live from Lincoln But now we got to break down the newest Illini point guard. What does he bring in the short and long term for Illinois? Uh, What does it say about Sky Clark uh, and his future? And uh, how does he change things for Illinois? And and moving forward, Illinois international recruiting. Uh, How big is that going to be for Jeff Alexander, Brad Underwood, and the crew? So Derek Piper is up first. Then we'll talk some uh, around the bend, really rapid fire topics with Joey Wagner. But really dive into the Kevin Warren leaving the Big Ten for the Chicago Bears. That's all coming up next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. All right, Derek Piper, Illinois basketball has a new point guard, Niccolo Moretti. A little bit of a surprise. Uh, you, you guys are in Nebraska waking up to some news. What did you think when you heard it?
1: You always love that. You love when the, the phone's buzzing and you're wiping the sleep out of your eyes. and you're like, oh. What the uh, hell does get,
0: Warner want?
1: <laughs> we got to get on this. But, uh, yeah, uh, it was a surprise. And, and not that his name – hadn't come up because Illinois really liked him watching him over the summer. They first, that being Brad Underwood and Jeff Alexander spotted him at the Nike Global Academy, a bunch of international players on a showcase for college coaches, NBA scouts, and that whole kind of deal. And uh, he really showed out there. And then Jeff, when he went out to Turkey at the end of July and into August to see Zachary Perrin, of course, but also uh, Nicola Moretti for Team Italy and the point guard that can really shake and bake, they can uh, be able to set up other guys, very good passer, good pick and rolls. And there was actually at one point this summer that there was discussion of trying to potentially bring him in mid year. And I I know they as they evaluated their own roster and and saw that obviously Sky was very limited what he could do throughout the summer. Jaden was uh, going through it with, you know, how much can he play on the ball is he more of a scorer than a facilitator? Do we have enough? pure playmakers on this team. So ultimately, they wanted to evaluate him a little bit more. Didn't feel the urgency to to get that done. But obviously, with Sky stepping away from the team, and uh, there's an opening now. And I think it is bigger than just this year. I think some people will be like, oh, you know, does he come in and does he play 15 minutes off the bench? Uh, as we've seen with Zach right now, it's, it's a process to be able to get acclimated. And, and maybe it's not much uh, this year, other than an emergency option a point guard. But long term, there is quite a bit to like because Uh, As you can see here, you know, the three-point shooting, the passing, they actually – he's reminded them some of kind of Andre Curbelo with his playmaking and just with more of a shot-making capability.
0: Yeah, Derek, this happens the same week Sky Clark takes a lead from the program, right? So how much is one and one equal two there, or was this independent of Sky Clark?
1: I don't think it's a coincidence. Uh, I'm not saying that they wouldn't still have interest of maybe adding him after the season. I I think that they're – evaluation of Jaden and kind of how they want to use him is, is continuing to go throughout the rest of this season and we'll see how much of a of a point guard he really is. I think he's made strides obviously since the summer where turnovers were an issue. They wondered about him getting other guys the ball and making other players better. I think he's he's making strides there. We'll, we'll see how the rest of this year goes. But uh, in terms of, you know, Sky, who was supposed to be a foundational piece in your backcourt, he exit the fold, and then Moretti comes in and, and is committing, and now immediately taking a roster spot and a scholarship spot. I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think it, I and mean, I think it does say quite a bit about you know the possibilities of, of Sky returning. And uh, that's just my take and kind of yeah. just the read on the situation. But I know we discussed usually when when players you know, pack up their stuff and leave campus, they usually uh, more likely than not don't come back. So. I think that answers, in my estimation, we'll, we'll still have to see what Sky ultimately says here at a later date and what Brad ultimately says once Moretti gets announced, because that's the question that he's gonna have to get asked is, yeah. is this a one-for-one trade? Does this mean Sky's not coming back? That would be my my guess on it, but uh, I think that they've liked Moretti, but now with with Sky being out, outside of the picture that it, it really amplified the, the urgency to get him and a chance to bring him in mid-year, because we know Brad likes that dynamic of even if he's just thinking about next year having a chance to rep him in practice get him in the weight room uh, that those are all positives for development
0: yeah I mean we're speculating that but it's fair speculation right it, it's it's putting all of it together especially when you got Dre gibbs Lawhorn coming in you got Moretti coming in Jaden Epps already here uh make make some sense Derek what what do you think is the value of bringing Moretti in early you bring it in Zachary Parain early? This starting to be a trend of, of what brad underwood likes to do a little bit
1: right i mean he's talked in the past about the value of having guys come in mid-year or just even the sit-out transfers obviously when we saw jacob grandison be able to sit out for a year and learn the system develop get work with fletch and now for perrin and both Moretti to again it, it number one they're emergency options like we talked about zach if there is foul trouble for dane and, and coleman that you throw them out there a little bit it's just kind of one of those in an immediate sense see how they handle practice see how far they can progress here in, in a short time and if they are in a position to help you then great but I think long term it is being able to cut down the the time of of being able to get ready because if they were to showed up you know in June which is the other the alternative of not coming in early but coming in after the semester showing up in the summer then you got to work through a lot of stuff to to acclimate them and and do the teaching now to the development. Now, obviously as soon for two guys that do need to add strength uh, that's working with Fletch uh, as soon as possible is a a big value too. So, and I I know a big theme for this season is, you know, the the lack of cohesion going in when you can have guys practice together and and have a number that would be back. You know, we think about Epps sincere coming back, you you know, Lou Goody, RJ, I, we never know the the full scope of it until you know, the the off season hits and, and who's staying, who's going. But to be able to say we you know we brought back six, seven, eight scholarship players, that's a lot different than what we saw this last season and uh, or this this current season. This, um, and I think that Brad would see a value in that as well
0: yeah Dane Danger Ty Rogers um that that's a really good defensive group you can have coming back but you do need some offensive playmakers so how do you see Moretti fitting with that group because Coleman Hawkins Terrence Shannon I think we can assume uh will be moving on to the NBA Matthew Meyer we know will be gone uh how do you see Moretti fitting in whether it's next season or the long term here
1: I think it's just his ability to get guys shots I don't know that like I said earlier, very good in the pick and roll, or that's going to come out of like the two-man game and the spread, or maybe they run some ball screen stuff. So they haven't completely abandoned that. I know that we're seeing that some with, with Terrence. So uh, the ability to have someone that can get into the teeth of the defense, be able to hit a roll guy, be able to spread it out to a shooter, uh, those are things that he can do. Uh, I think the biggest things for me, I think his offensive skill set's going to translate to this level fairly quickly. It's just whether his defensive ability is going to be up to par early because it's a guy that's not the best athlete. I mean, he sh- he is shifty and crafty and everything, but h- how well does he do guarding explosive guards, guarding physical guards? Because he is pretty slight in stature right now. So uh, I think that weight room with Fletch, trying to maximize his athleticism, and then just knowing the system. So uh, I think, and then then again, I think as we go through the last two months of the Big Ten season, as we get into postseason play where's Jaden Epps at in his development, you know, at this, at that stage going into the next year is, are you looking at it and saying, you know, we want Jaden to be our starting point guard. And then we'll build around that. Do do you say that maybe he is still more of a, of a combo as a scorer? Brad obviously has played multiple playmakers before and I wouldn't rule out. And I think it's still something we got to see how many, how many, how much movement there is after the season. I wouldn't rule out a, a transfer point guard, you know, that being a, something that they would look at and, and trying to get a, a veteran piece in there when you're going to have Lawhorn and Moretti who'll be freshmen and or, or we'll see if Moretti uses any eligibility this year and then obviously I've still been a sophomore
0: Derek this is a another international guy I wrote about it a little bit this morning Brad Underwood had a roster of six in-state scholarship players no international guys right now I think you have two scholarship guys from Illinois, one a transfer in Terrence Shannon, the other Brandon Lieb, and during the Brad Underwood tenure, you've had 12 international guys, and I include Puerto Rico. I know it's a U.S. territory, but it's not one of the 50 states. Um, they've had a lot of a lot of impact, too. Obviously, Kofi, Georgie, Andres Felice. Uh, we're seeing it now with this roster. Um, Jeff Alexander, starting to get into Europe a little bit. What, what do you make of, of his international uh, you know, impact there, and, and just how Brad Underwood is kind of using that market because we, we know it's a global sport now, right?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of talent out there, international hoop scene and for for Jeff to be able to further his connections. I know that he had some of those at Evansville and uh, had a big man whose name, I don't know if it escapes me or I can't pronounce it, but a, a big man from Lithuania that was really good at, at Evansville uh, that he helped land and that has been furthered now with his ability to, to tap into the market to get Zach Perrin and uh, to, to get more accustomed or familiar with guys that are you know, influential in an international scene and and show what Illinois is able to do. And like you said, the track record, uh, number one, this is a really diverse campus. They have a lot of international students uh, for them to show that they've, they've pieced guys from different backgrounds, from different countries together before. And uh, obviously it's a team that's winning and developing players. So uh, I think that's a great thing to be able to have just another talent pool to be able to dip into and I know it's been a theme here for Brown Underwood throughout his tenure is like the ability to pivot, like the ability to have another answer, the ability to not just be in scramble mode. I'm like, well, I don't know what we're going to do now. And I think that really even that clicked in for the staff when Chen and O left and to be able to, all right, we're going to go get Chester, and we're going to end up with Tim and promote Jeff. And once again, have a really good staff. Obviously, we've seen players leave the fold two or miss on a recruitment, be able to go out and get another guy. So this guy doesn't work out at least uh, up to this point, And we'll see if he, he ultimately ever comes back but to get a, a guy like moretti who's pretty talented and, and had some attention from other programs that's that's a good a good thing to to have happen and i think that jeff wants to just continue to to even dive more into that international And it's worked out for gonzaga arizona some of those schools have done a great job in in that venue
0: yeah three of the five first team nba all nba guys last year uh, all international guys uh, as well all right derek one more before you go uh michigan state illinois huge game uh, for both teams i think for illinois to obviously get back to 500 but kind of reassert yourself as a player uh in the big 10 race here and then michigan state if if you win this one on the road obviously a huge quad one win for them but it put them uh in, in that uh obviously big 10 contention race so what do you think of this matchup
1: it's a huge game right? like you said michigan state's already planted their flag at least for now is in that top range of the big 10 to be a challenger for the big, big 10 title uh i for them to be four and one right now, if they go on the road and get one, in Illinois be five and one. They're they're going to be a factor the rest of the way. Uh, I think, for Illinois' standpoint, if you could flip, go from zero and three to three and three, and snap of a finger in about a week and a half, that would really put you in a position there with, with 14 more Big Ten games to go to to make some noise. And I, I think we've continued to discuss like I don't think it'll be a 16 and four team that wins the Big Ten. You know, it might be 15 and five, maybe even 14 and six. So I think that. Illinois would have a chance to, number one, once again, get hot and get on a run and get some momentum and then go to Minnesota, a game that you should obviously win and then return again for Indiana, who's a mess right now. I know that it would still be a big game and they still got some some talented pieces. And then an Ohio State came at home too. So uh, for Illinois standpoint, a lot to be gained. It's going to be a big challenge for Epson Sincere going up against Hogard and Tyson Walker. It's a, a really good guard tandem. Uh, Hauser, obviously, they've got experience. Malik Hall now back off an injury for the last month or so. Um, there's Michigan State doesn't have a ton of depth, but they are they got good guards. they got veterans, and they're playing pretty well right now, and, but so is Illinois. So I think it's going to be a fun one late Friday night.
0: I looked at that Minnesota game. That's a quad four away game. They're, they're in a bad spot right now. Uh, Derek, I'm going to ask Joey about uh, Kevin Warren and, and his Packers, so i got to ask you. Uh, the Bears, what a week, man. We get the number one pick. Justin Fields feels like a a number one quarterback, like the most talented quarterback we've ever had. Uh, And then Kevin Warren, I I actually like this hire, even though big 10 fans might be uh, iffy about Kevin Warren. Like I feel good. That's like an actual NFL guy. It feels like get outside the family a little bit here. What do you think about your bears?
1: First of all with uh, Kevin Warren, if we had to fall on that sword for the rest of the big (laughs) 10 and uh, you're you're welcome, welcome. You're, you're certainly welcome for that. But yeah, I mean, he has NFL experience and, uh, he's been part of the expansion project with, with the Big Ten, and we obviously know the big things are coming for the Bears in terms of new stadium and, and everything that that's going to look like. And, uh, I'm not too worried about the someone that's more of a behind-the-scenes guy and, and not, you know, coaching up Justin Fields. I, I think that, yeah, Kevin didn't do some of the best jobs with optics sometimes and maybe stepping out of the limelight a little bit uh, will be good for him. But, uh, yeah, with the number one pick, thank you, Lovey Smith. I, I, Thank you. I guess that's all I can really say. The, the value of having number one versus number two, obviously, there's a lot to be gained there. I'm um, definitely in in the camp. I know we asked you on the radio about what would you do with it. We got to shop it around. We got to get as much as we can out of it. And
0: what's your ideal uh, scenario, Derek? Um, I, I would love if Houston just flipped with us, so we can still get like Will Anderson, because mm-hmm. uh, I feel like the free agent defensive linemen are really good. Like, there's a really good crop there, so we can get that edge rusher plus some extra capital. But I just I just feel like Indianapolis is so desperate that we can rake them over the coals. Get one of Carter or Anderson, whoever falls, will probably be Carter. I feel like Miles Murphy, whoever it is. I just feel like the Colts are just so desperate that we can take advantage of that.
1: I like that. I think the bigger return with the Colts, although it is kind of almost just the the entertainment and comedy value. If the Texans <laughs> won because of Lovey Smith going for two and everything, then they had to then pay it back and say, No, actually, we want that number one pick. Here's some here's some stuff for our, 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 uh, whatever you want to call it mistake. But, um, yeah, I like Will Anderson a lot. He would be the guy if I'm, if I'm circling someone in the draft, if we just moved down one spot, got him, I, I'd be really happy. But the big callback, the number of picks, you know, we got a lot to fix. It's the O-line, the, obviously the defensive front. Uh, I feel pretty good about the secondary uh, and then wide receiver too. So we we got a lot to address, but a lot of cap room, some draft assets. And, uh, I, I'm tired of hearing the, the quarterback stuff. I know it's just probably gamesmanship. I know it's probably like, you know, we gotta we gotta just show this play fake here and see if anybody buys it. See if it puts any urgency in anybody else to try to pull that pick away from us. But I don't. I just don't like the optics of like, it looks like you have your guy in fields. Don't go out and say, if we're blown away, you know, never know. I I, I don't mind it.
0: If it were if it were Andrew Luck or Trevor Lawrence type prospect, it, it's a fun thought experiment, right? Sure. But and I understand like Justin Fields. Can he stay healthy? You got that problem when you got a running quarterback. This dude's dynamic. Put something around him. Like we already have that answered. You're in such a great spot. You don't have to spend the number one pick on a quarterback. You already got your guy. Uh, if Justin Fields were in this draft, I think we'd be discussing: Is it Bryce Young or is it Justin Fields? Like that. That's how I feel about this draft. So, listen. We were talking about Lawrence or Fields, and then we got crazy and put Zach Wilson and Trey Lance in there. I didn't I'm just overthinking it. Don't overthink this. You got your guy now go get a bunch of other things using that number one pick. Uh, Derek, I've never been so excited about the worst team in the NFL.
1: <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> we haven't had a draft in a while to be that excited that's right. about. I mean, I, I kind of went in unassuming with the field's draft. I was like, we're probably going to mess this up because that's what we've done before. We're probably going to stand pat and, and not go up and get somebody. But
0: That was my favorite moment uh, as a Bears fan the last five years. Which...
1: Definitely. Not close. <laughs> not close. Was right? I, I actually you were you were right on this because you we were talking about you know as a bears fan should you want that packers game in december and i was like we need to win let's yeah. let's flip the momentum on this rivalry let's i, I thought it might be a difference maker and putting aaron Rodgers and company out of the playoffs it didn't even have to be us Detroit right thanks walked into lambo best of both worlds so uh life is good right now for a team that barely <laughs> won any games
0: Derek pipe you're the goods man always fun man all right i guess we should talk to a packers fan next Joey Wagner, I'm Kevin Warren, and yeah, I do talk to him about Aaron Rodgers, but also about Avery Jones' decommitment, uh, Illinois football's two assistant coaching vacancies and more. That's coming up next on the Online Enquirer podcast. All right, let's go some rapid fire here with Joey Wagner. Uh, Joey, we got a lot of news to get to. Haven't had you on the pod here in a little bit besides your uh, nice little parents there in Lincoln. How was the trip to Lincoln?
2: It's a long trip. Iowa is a long state. Uh, it's, not, it's not quite, as you pointed out, as long as Georgia felt like it was or Alabama but it takes like four hours to cross across the great state of Iowa not particularly scenic either uh so it's a long trip dude
0: and you can say that right as a guy from Iowa
2: sure I mean I could probably have said it if I wasn't from Iowa uh it's not not a knock like look Illinois is not particularly scenic from like Peoria Carbondale or or whatever so (laughs)
0: Well, all right, Jerry Wagner, we got some news uh, to react to. uh, And the big news this morning is that the Bears have hired Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner. Big Ten just hired a commissioner uh, four years ago. And uh, obviously we'll talk about his tenure a little bit, but uh, I think this makes sense. As a Bears fan, I'm kind of excited because of Kevin Warren's um, experience in in stadium building and moving a team to a state-of-the-art Stadium and, and the Bears certainly seem like they're going to do that with Arlington Heights, no matter how hard Chicago tries with uh, the Soldier Field. It just makes too much sense from a franchise value standpoint uh, to, to go to Arlington Heights. So it makes sense for me from that perspective. What do you make of this from the Big Ten perspective?
2: Yeah, I, I think we have to discuss like what we think of Kevin Warren's four years in charge of the Big Ten. And 2020 was rough. Right, I mean that, but let's be honest. 2020 was rough for a lot of decision makers in, in a lot of ways, and I know that's not going to be very popular. I'm not. I'm trying to say Kevin Warren is getting unfairly criticized for. That's not the case at all. Uh, I think it was tough, and we we're we we're learning as we went a lot in 2020. But if you look at what he did after that, USC and UCLA are coming to the Big Ten. That's a major coup. The TV deal is going to put a lot of money in pockets of programs. Like those are two things that. Like, he's going to have, even though it was four years, like, those are legacy leaving things uh, in the Big Ten and his job as a commissioner of the Big Ten. So I think that has to be said. Like, it wasn't perfect. I know our our friend Adam Rittenberg at ESPN had had talked about some of the relationships over the course of time and and stemming really from that 2020 season. Uh, But what's the Big Ten look for, Jeremy? I think that's the question that isn't really just, like, unique to the Big Ten. It is in the sense that there's a commissioner opening, but you've wondered that across the other power conferences. You saw what the Pac-12 did in hiring. You saw, I think, the Big 12 also, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken. So what, what's which direction does the Big Ten want to go uh, moving forward with this new commissioner?
0: Yeah, l- let me get back to – I feel like Kevin Warren's a better fit for the Bears than he is for the Big Ten, to be honest with you. And, and I'll get into to Kevin Warren's tenure here, but Kevin Warren's kind of this corporate figure, right? When he gets in front of a microphone, he's not that impressive. But he does understand modern business uh, and modern big business. I think we've seen that in the past year or two uh, as his Big Ten commissionership has gone along. And I think his Big Ten stewardship here um, is is very complicated, right? The first year was rough. And and we've kind of caveated it saying, like, he took over during a global pandemic. That was not easy. I think he made the decisions he thought were of the best interest of student-athletes, of coaches, of everyone involved, but it was clear he did not build consensus, that he did not have the relationships or didn't build the relationships in his first year, whether he could or not due to the pandemic. Um, He just did not coalesce this conference, and it was messy. That was a messy year when he saw the SEC kind of all on board, even if he disagreed at the time of, is the SEC, should they play, should they not play? Um the Big Ten just didn't have consensus. You had coaches speaking out, you had AD speaking out, and it's like, who's leading this? And that that looked bad on, on Kevin Warren. So certainly was missteps there, even if he was well intentioned. But whether you want to give him all the credit or not, his last couple of years have gone really well. Right. I, I think he, he he set the Big Ten on great foundation when you get that media rights deal, which most commissioners of that job have to get that done, but he did. He should get credit for that and then to accept UCLA and USC into the conference. Whether you think that should be Kevin Warren, like, he didn't say no. He didn't screw that up, Joey. So the Big Ten, after Kevin Warren is here, after taking over the big shoes of Jim Delaney, like Kevin Warren put it on a good path. I feel like in the long term, the Big Ten could be in better position here because I feel like Kevin Warren lost a lot of, I guess, leadership and um you know, that, that first start, it just felt like this was never going to be a great fit, but he rebounded and now he moves on to the NFL. I think he's got an eye on the NFL commissioner job eventually, but I think this is good for the Bears. For the Big Ten, though, it does leave them a little tenuous, right? Like this is an important time in college athletics, and maybe because you have the TV deal done, because you have USC and UCLA coming in, but that's still a process they got to use to. Interim leadership is going to be really important in the short term, and then long term, I agree with you. What do they look for? Do they look for somebody who's more familiar? Do they look for somebody who's less corporate, less just put a person in somebody's suit? Because that's what it felt like Kevin Warren was. I felt like we never really knew who Kevin Warren actually was if you sat down and had a beer with him. The name everyone's going to bring up, and understandably so, is Jim Phillips because he made sense the first time. He still makes sense uh, to me. He knows this conference. He has the respect of all the athletic directors. And Rittenberg did point this out. Like, it is a completely different group of chancellors and presidents. Robert Jones, the Illinois president or chancellor, who's only been there for five, six years, something like that, he is the eldest statesman on the chancellors and presidents. So it's going to be interesting to see if they want something different than uh, Kevin Warren.
2: Yeah, I'm fascinated by that. And I, Jim Phillips is a name that you're right. Like, comes to mind. It's going to come to mind for everybody. I mean, do they look for, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't know. Is this a, like a pause in the Big Ten in terms of like, you know, like you said, you got the TV deal. That's secure. Like, does that alter if this would have happened a year ago? Right? Like, I don't know that what that looks like. Do you go with more of like what the Pac-12 did? Like, the Pac-12 went way out there. Uh, and we'll see how that turns out. Like, I don't, I don't know because so much is changing and, and has changed and, and it's going to continue to change. Is that going to – I don't know, man. It's really interesting to see which direction they go. I know Illinois fans we saw on our message boards are – I mean, we got to bring it up, right? Yeah, go for it. Illinois on our message – you know, people on our message boards said, uh, should there be a concern about Josh Whitman? Josh Whitman's really, really polished in front of a microphone. He's a very, very smart man, uh, and he's he's a forward thinker. Uh, Those are all the qualities, right? Like, Josh Whitman has the qualities. I just think there's a lot of people who, who are going to be have interest or be interested in that job who who would maybe make more sense than Josh Whitman. And, you know, I, I don't know, man, but I, I don't think I would lose sleep over that. Right. If I were an North Man.
0: you brought up a great point. Pac-12 commissioner, George Kleifkov, uh what were his former jobs? He was in major league baseball, was at TV networks, was at MGM resorts international. These are entertainment conglomerates. Right? It's not an athletic director position. Brent Yormack, the new Big 12 commissioner, he had business positions at Palace Sports and Entertainment, Cat Sports, NASCAR, Brooklyn Sports and Entertainment, and Rock Nation. These aren't the athletic directors rising up. I, I, does the Big 10 go with the, that model of, hey, Jim Phillips was the ACC commissioner? He was an athletic director, knows these things. Or do they go with somebody who is more of the huge tv network background um corporate sports entertainment background that'll be very interesting to watch but outside of phillips i mean warren Yormak, mac i can never pronounce that name like those guys are all like entertainment based not athletic director backgrounds so it'll be interesting to see if the big 10 bucks that trend I, i'm josh whitman like i think he's very capable I think he's very capable of that job. Does he want that job? I don't know. Uh, You know, certainly you could have a huge impact. But his heart is obviously in Illinois. Uh, I know that. But if you want in your life to make a big impact on college athletics, and Josh Whitman cares deeply about college athletics, that's certainly a job you could do. um, But there are more senior uh, Big Ten athletic directors uh, who, who maybe could be at that position, though. That's changed a lot here recently. Um, but I think he's capable of doing the job. But I just feel like these commissioner jobs have gone away from that. They've they've gone more towards what we've been talking about, kind of these corporate TV network kind of people.
2: Well, what is long term? I think it is Adam Rittenberg who's been all over this, which is yeah, not surprising. He's-, uh, he's really really good. What's the you know Jim Delaney was thirty years, right? Like what's the the shelf life of a power five or a college commissioner at this point? Is it 30 years? That seems like it probably is. Isn't the case. I don't know. Maybe that's, that's too soon to say that, but is it more of that seven to 10 years, new leadership, seven to 10 years, new leadership model? Uh, in which case, like call me in seven to 10 years, you know, like that would be like, if you're thinking of Whitman, like seven to 10 years down the road, if if that's the model it goes, or is the big 10 looking for its next Jim Delaney and the next, 30-year guy or whatever the case is i don't know if there's a market for that at this point anymore it's just a way it's a lot to be a commissioner and not that it wasn't previously but it's there's so many questions i have just both in the state of what the commissioners of power five leagues the, the qualities that people are after and just how long do they want to be in this position before you just keep refreshing new ideas with new people and and you know the, uh, the commissioners are ready to move on. I don't know, man.
0: This is one of the best jobs in college sports, though. Yeah, yes. this, oh, yeah. this is one of the – if you want leadership in college sports, uh, we just saw Governor Charlie Baker of Massachusetts um, become the NCAA commi- – like, this is, this is a more powerful job. This is a more po- – Big Ten and SEC commissioner are the most powerful jobs in college athletics, which makes them two of the most powerful jobs in all of sports. American mm-hmm. sports right uh, outside of the NFL commissioner job maybe the NBA commissioner job so it's it's just massive uh, how, how big of a job this is in the college sports landscape which means it'll be they'll get really good candidates as they did the last time around uh, for this job alright Joe I, I gotta ask you I wait on this on the, on the opening of the last podcast but Avery Jones decommits from Illinois four star transfer center from East Carolina and uh this is a big loss, no matter what Brett Bielma says. But Brett Bielma certainly had a public response to uh, Avery Jones decommitting and quote tweeted him, as we have here live on the the YouTube channel, Quote tweeted Avery and had hashtag NIL on it, and then quote tweeted me saying, loss, hashtag ILL. What do you make of, of the fallout here?
2: Well, you got Brett Bielma's crosshairs <laughs> on uh, Tuesday, huh? I- I'm kidding. I know it wasn't. It was just Brett Bielema went to Twitter, and Illinois has a coach who goes to Twitter. That's kind of new for Illinois <laughs> athletics. Brett Underwood alleges to not be on Twitter. Lovey Smith had a Twitter made for Lovey Smith. So, well, you know, I—it's a loss, dude. Like it is a loss. This guy was set to to join the program this week. He, he was set to be the starting center this week. They had shut down their starting center recruiting out of the portal after they landed him because he—I mean, there was. Come on, dude. There was no competition. Avery Jones was going to be the starting center barring injury for Illinois football this year. Uh, and now you've got to replace him. Probably either internally And in our, we've talked about the candidates, be it Josh Crutes comes to mind. Maybe, maybe you can get Joey Oakla, Josh. Uh, I'm sorry, TJ McMillan, but that's He's a freshman. Joey Oakla is a redshirt shirt freshman. Uh, do you, can, can you get an Isaiah Adams, Jordan Slaughter? I, I don't know that that's the preferred robbing direction. Peter
0: robbing Peter to pay Paul. like do you want to move that's a guy right, from yeah. tackle to center? Maybe you could. If, if you feel like you got a Josh Gesky who's ready for that job or Zy Chrysler could move out to tackle. like all those things will go into it, but man, you'd like to have Isaiah Adams at tackle because I think he'd be pretty good there.
2: So that leads me to think the most likely replace option comes in the spring portal window. Uh, because this one, unless Illinois's got I, actually, can they still host visitors? It's it's January twelfth right now and we record this. Is that window?
0: You can you can host visitors, but can officials? you enroll? Can you enroll anybody? Um, yeah, because right, you yeah. can still do prep guys on the official visits here, and, and I'm sure transfers too. But can you get anybody enrolled in six days when class starts? Yeah. Like that's that's doubtful. That, that's why this. Yeah. That's uh, outside of the talent. That's why Illinois has to be pissed about this one you lost a talent who was committed to you had a an apartment on campus ready to go Joey had, you know had it leased out and everything and you had this spot right if, if Jones didn't want to commit the first time around you would have gone and found another center well he committed and now you have no recourse uh, at least in the short term other than internal candidates because you probably can't get them through admissions within a week it's it, the paperwork and all that stuff takes too long
2: yeah and which also means you're probably not going to have Probably, You know, again, maybe there's an internal option, but probably not going to have your starting center on campus to work with your new starting quarterback in spring ball. And I think that the timing of it, like, you, I, I think that's – you're 100% right, Jeremy. The timing probably is what perturbs Illinois as much as anything. And the fact that – also, Brett Bielma does not care for surprises. I think that's pretty clear to you and I. And, and uh, This is a shock.
0: Yeah, and we've seen Brett Bielma in the last week. I mean, we didn't get the whole – context of everything but I don't know if he heard about this before heard about Avery Jones before he gave his speech at the AFCA convention the coaches convention where so many coaches are he said I hate NIL um you know there's probably more context to that he said he loves his profession it's the best profession all of that but I it's clear he he's saying that Avery Jones got more NIL to go to Auburn right like and Oh yeah Hugh Freeze like this is all legal now like this is this is part of the the landscape uh, what do you make of Brett Bielma kind of making these comments about NIL? I, I, I want to ask him on the record on all of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I can't wait to get that. I don't know if he's going to tell us much more um, than it seems like a coach that's struggling with the, the new reality. We know a lot of coaches are struggling with the new reality. But on the flip side, he's probably able to keep a Julian Pearl, maybe a Keith Randolph here, because of NIL. Like, so there, there's, there's positives and there's negatives of it. This certainly is a negative of it.
2: Yeah, I, I don't want to speak for Brett Bielma, but you you and I have covered him since the second he, you know, did his little tour there after his introductory press conference. I, so I do want to try to put as much context and what we think we know around it, because I, I think that's needed. I don't think Brett Bielma, when he says, I hate NIL or, or you know, whatever the, the quote was, or, or talks about the transfer portal. I don't think he hates the freedom of movement and I don't think he hates the fact that players are getting money in their pocket. I don't think either one of those things are like on their own in a vacuum, keeping Brett Bielema awake at night or frustrating him. I think what's in speculating, just, just kind of, maybe you can disagree with me, Jeremy, if you, if you do, I, I think it's the ramifications and the fallout and the requirement to recruit your own roster and maintain your own roster and, and risk losing a guy Uh a week before, not even a week before, he was supposed to be part of your program. I think those are the things yeah. that that and those was kind of do tie in hand in hand within IL. I don't think again. I, I don't think Brett Bielema is furious that these athletes have money in their pockets. That's not you and I both. I think know that that's not who Brett Bielema is. Right. Uh, but it, it's the rest of it, and I I don't come on, dude. I, Brett Bielema is not alone in these thoughts. Coaches like. No to know they, they like to know about their roster and and you're right you're 100% right and, I, and I, we've seen fans and, and the reaction that's I get it like fans are fans that I get the frustration but for as mad as you want to be about Avery Jones going to Auburn and, and the implication from Brett Bielema that it's an NIL up uh, you know maybe a true implication I don't we'll see I mean, we don't know NIL's kind of like this quiet thing everyone knows it's happening but no one can pin down figures uh to that point you're probably looking for a new left tackle you might be looking for a new right tackle you might be looking for new guard you know like you can go down the line of what you might be looking for if if those things aren't available if you can't get someone some money to supplement one more year to what the pitch is likely to increase your draft stock like they have to work hand in hand and you have to understand you know do you get a you can just go all the way around right like you get x player without this you get x returner without this and and everyone loves those moments and they should because those make your program better they make your team better but you also have to understand like that comes with it when something like this happens and the loss stings. like it is a loss it stings i have a lot of questions like about what that center position looks like i still like where the offensive line sits uh but i still think center is like a. Alex Pilstrom ain't walking through that door, Jeremy.
0: Change is hard. No matter if you're making $6 million or not. Losing control is hard, right? But there are positives and negatives to all this. I, I, I think it's frustrating when you're a Brett Bielema and you feel like you outwork, you out-evaluate, you out-develop, and then a Hugh Freeze can come along, offer some zeros at the end of an NIL deal, and get a kid, flip a kid, right at the last minute. That, that, that would be very really frustrating. And Brett Bioma vented on Twitter. Right? <clears throat> so I understand it, but there are positives and negatives of it. Brad Underwood has got a lot of positives of it with NIL. It's helped his program. And I think Brett so Bioma. Yeah. yeah, and I think Brett Bioma, like, if you get Keith Randolph back and Johnny Newton back, it's probably because of NIL. Julian Pearl, it's certainly because of NIL. Right? And you can develop all those things. But I think in the end, NIL helps Illinois. And I think Josh Whitman would tell you the same. They see it as a huge opportunity to get even, but you're also going to have some losses because of it. And kudos to Brett Bielmo because I'm sure he's frustrated. He gets calls all the time. There's tampering going on. Like some of these Illinois players that had really good years that might have surprised that didn't get SEC offers or ACC, whatever it was. They can make money elsewhere. Right? And you have to shield against that. The college coaches get paid a ridiculous amount of money so no one feels sorry for them, right? It is a really time-consuming, stressful job. And I think we saw Brett Bielma kind of – because his last few weeks of getting his staff raided, right, losing this commitment, um, NIL, all this bull stuff, like it's been very frustrating. Like that—that that, that's a packed month and a half, two months, whatever it is, and I felt like you just saw him vent on, vent on Twitter a little bit.
2: Yeah, and I don't – look, I think the timing is everything. I don't think Brett Bielma would have had this Twitter reaction uh, if Avery Jones just picked Auburn out of the gates – Right, like that. I, I don't think that's the case at all. I don't. I, I think what I keep coming down to the, the the issue I think that he has I think is the timing, uh, aside of the talent. Like that that's obvious, but you're you're kind of back in a corner here, time wise. Uh, well, let's to be honest. This.
0: Avery Jones is 23 years old, and he didn't live up to a commitment for longer than a month. That's frustrating.
2: Sure. Yeah.
0: He's a 23 year old man. Right, and he gave Brett Bielma his word and went back on it. That's frustrating. You just usually don't see coaches go to Twitter about it, and that's that's what we saw. That's why it's jarring. And I, I, I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong for Brett Bielma. Certainly, it's red meat for a fan base that wants him to stick up for him. And boy, Brett Bielma cares about this job. Right, like he really cares about this job. He wants to do it the right way. Um, So whether he liked it or not, whatever it is, Avery Jones was a loss. And if he wasn't a loss, Brett Bielma wouldn't have
2: done what he did. Can I play devil's advocate one more time? Yep. He, I, I don't know. He, he said 23 years old and he didn't the, the month. That's fine. No one's turning their head back that Malik Elsey didn't hold his commitment to Cincinnati. Correct. No one's turning their head back that it Brandon Henderson didn't hold his commitment to Iowa State or Zachary Toby to UNC. It's part of the uh, game.
0: Part of the game. It is.
2: It is. <laughs> I, and I, I get it. I'm not trying to say any frustration isn't warranted or justified. I get all that. But I do want to point out the other side that you got a four-star wide receiver who's going to be playing for you next year who was not initially committed to you. Uh, and again, I, timing is everything. It's, it's, again, that's why that's why I come back to the timing. Uh, but you, you got to do look at the other side of it a little bit here. Yeah. And Johnny Newton probably isn't here. He had a previous commitment to Maryland, yeah. by the way. I mean, you just got to look at all these things. I, I'm not trying to say like, oh, I can't believe people are frustrated. I get all that, man. I get it. But it's a friendly reminder that You've been on the right side of these things, too.
0: Brett Bielma is, I'm sure, busy at work uh, interviewing potential candidates for the running back's job and the outside linebacker's job. All quiet, right? It's it's hard to find information on this. Uh, hard to get any leaks on this. Brett Bielma does a pretty good job. Antonio Finellis, we didn't know about, right? So, like, he does a really good job of keeping this under wraps uh, and not leaking through sources or the team or whatever it is. Um so Joey, I I don't really have an update on this other than he was just at the convention. That's a great spot when all most all the coaches in the college football industry, especially assistants and lower level grad assistants, all that, when they're at this convention, it's a great spot to just bam, 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 interview a lot of these candidates. And now the NFL season. The regular season at least is over and you can get uh some more potential candidates in the mix but i would imagine the next few weeks right because you still got some time here spring ball doesn't start till march uh recruiting you really don't get on the road until march um so you do have a few you know months potentially uh to do this but i'm sure in the next couple of weeks is is when brett puma would like to get this done
2: yeah that convention is basically like the baseball winter meetings yeah like it's always like yeah, i get to the winter meetings and hell breaks loose and, and everything happens and the the dominoes start falling. That's kind of what the convention is. Uh so we'll see I you and I, I don't know if we speculated this on the pod or not. I don't really care. We'll do it again. Um the NFL stuff is interesting to me. Like I, I just Brett Bielma likes to send us in different directions. Like maybe it is an NFL guy, or maybe he just didn't want to say I'm waiting for X bowl game because then people would say, okay, it's you know, 14 bowl games have been played. There's six more bowl games so it's clearly somebody on these six like I think Brett Bielema just wanted to say here's everything that could be possible and good the heck luck figuring out what I'm talking. Maybe it is an NFL guy, but I, I don't know. Like I, I just think that I, I'm prepared for smoke screens with Brett Bielema, yeah. Basically in every facet of communicating with him, but definitely when it comes to building building his staff and roster. Yeah. Uh
0: you know, I could throw out a bunch of names. I, I feel like that's a worthless exercise right now because I don't know.
2: Would would Antonio Finnellas have been on the short – I mean –
0: No. I don't – I mean, you know, now I'm thinking of defensive guys. We have to – if he has hires in the future, we have to look through his old Wisconsin teams and Arkansas teams, right? We did have a few guys, whether it was like Kevin Richardson. J.J.
2: Watt. I – (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, J.J. Watt, just bring him on down. Uh, you know, running backs coach. I know people mentioned Dre Brown. Listen, I think Dre also would be Dre would be interesting. Um, but yeah, I just I, I don't even have the gall to really speculate on a lot of names here. I have an idea of what they need. Outside linebackers coach. He's been clear. I think that's going to be a big development position. I think it's important because Seth Coleman, Ackes, have NFL ability. Eventually, maybe Jared Beatty and Trey Smith and all these. Guys. That's a very talented position group. Uh, Alec Bryan, I'll throw in the mix that they need to get the most out of because the one thing about defense, they didn't get consistent pressure out on from their outside linebackers, right? You like to get more consistent one on one wins on that side, especially with a younger secondary uh, this year. Not, obviously, not going to be as dominant uh, in the secondary as they were this year. Uh, so, I think that's really important to him. And I think running backs coach recruiting is going to be a huge part, it's going to be a massive part. And I think they do need somebody with local ties um in my opinion because you do have some good in state recruiters but if you can get another guy that has some ties in state or St. Louis or somewhere around the area that would make a lot of sense to me Joey.
2: Yeah, I 100% agree. I think you you lost a lot of um maybe is a lot the right word, I don't know. Maybe it isn't. It is. You you lost a lot of in state connections. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in two important parts, Kevin Kane was pretty well tied in the Chicago land area. Uh, and, and Corey Patterson obviously ha- had that Metro East connection and, and a lot more. Corey Patterson, no one wants to hear this, not so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. B- boxing him at just a St. Louis area recruiter really doesn't do him justice. So, that's you know, you, there's a lot more than just okay, need a guy in the Metro East. Uh, to replace core. There's, there's a lot more that baked into it than that. Uh, but I, I do think the running backs coach has got to have ties. Probably, let's be honest, Jeremy, probably in the Chicagoland area. Uh, I, I think that's probably a more fruitful uh, space right now for, for Illinois to, to zoom in on. Or it has uh, to be someone yeah,
0: that, or it has to be someone that's capable of developing relationships in that area, whether it's the suburbs, whether it's the city, because George McDonald and Terrence Jameson have yeah. some connections in, in Chicago and all that. But um, you know, Kane was a really good recruiter in the western suburbs uh, and Kansas City and Missouri and uh, Corey Patterson, Ryan Walters in Missouri, Ryan Walters in the, in the middle of the state. Like, I think you can develop those relationships. It's just got to be a dynamic personality.
2: Yeah, it does. But that's recruiting, right? Yeah. So I, I do think that one of those positions has got to be someone just really, really tied in, or yeah. wouldn't take long to be really, really tied in to the state of Illinois. And to, to your initial point, sorry, we don't have more. Like, I, I'm not trying to be sarcastic. we wish we knew more and, and you and I have dug around and whichever ways we dig around to try to see if we can find a tea leaf somewhere to follow back where it came from. And we're not really having a lot of success. Probably, there's
0: probably like two or three people that, that know the the list of candidates. One of them, Brett Bioma, one of them, probably Mark Tarasani, right? <laughs> and another yeah. one, like, I don't, maybe somebody else in that office. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's kudos probably out. got
2: both coordinators. Both coordinators probably know yeah. the, the list of, right. of candidates here. But, man, it's – Bielema, he's so interesting. He's such an interesting guy on, on a lot of levels. But when he wants to broadcast, he broadcasts as well as any coach, not named Nick Saban who can call a press conference and get 150 people there in a minute and a half. Yeah. He broadcasts about as well as anybody. But when he wants to lock down, you could not hear from Brett Bielema for like a month unless he's retweeting something – on basically for recruiting purposes. He, he does a very good job of both. Not, it's probably not unique to him, uh, but he certainly does a very good job at that.
0: Yeah, I think Brett Bielmo was going to hire Antonio Finellos no matter what, but I, I do think it was clear him and Aaron Henry. Aaron Henry would approve of that hire being a former teammate, but I, you make a good point about the coordinators, especially the the running backs one. I wonder how much Barry Loney has a say in this because he inherited an entire offensive staff. Does he get more of a say? Uh, does he have any connections that would – point back to somebody. That'll be very interesting. Uh, Illinois basketball has a new point guard. Niccolo Moretti commits to Illinois. Quick thoughts on that, Joey?
2: Interesting. It, it's To me, Piper and I spent eight hours, as it turns out, yesterday um, discussing this to a large degree. Can it we squeeze like this long-term. in in
0: like two minutes? Can you get eight hours into two minutes here?
2: Yeah. I, once I filter out all the cursing, uh, <laughs> which is just part of my day-to-day, I can really distill that. Uh, it feels like a long-term, like, obviously you, you look one point guard out temporarily. They they say with Sky Clark, new one comes in. There's some, there's some leaves to read there. Right. I mean, that seems kind of like a one for one to me. Uh, Illinois probably won't say that. Illinois hasn't announced Niccolo Meredia to this point. But um, It also feels like a long-term play. Like I know everyone, when's he going to, is he going to be eligible this year? Yes. Is he going to play this year? Why would he? You're getting into the, this, the Big Ten. You're in the Big Ten right now. You're going to put a, a freshman point guard who's been with you for a minute and a half on the floor? It's an emergency option. I, I think that's fine. I think you, you've you got kind of a net to fall back on with him there. But him and Perrine feel like get with Fletch, learn the system, learn how we operate, and then next year when, when, when we're looking for – I say we're Illinois. When Illinois is looking for a new point guard or, or a new rotation piece on the front, the front court, then those guys have had time to, to kind of be around this program and understand what it's about.
0: I think this semester is so valuable in the long term. Right, we've seen it with Dane Danger. What that semester can do, of building up your body, of of getting acclimated. And for these guys, getting acclimated to a new country, right? Like I, I think that's so important. Getting used to. You know, practice against some of the best athletes in the country. Like I, I think that's so valuable, and that's why I think Brett, Brad Underwood's going to continue to leave these scholarships open. They just filled their 13th scholarship, right, in, in Nico Moretti, um, so they feel like he is a worthy investment, and in a long-term one, I agree with you, Joey, um, of, of addressing a need, which is they need another playmaker, a point guard, and somebody who can break down a defense, and, and Moretti certainly seems to have that kind of talent. Um, I, I mentioned this name, and it, it's but they miss Andre Corbello's ability to break down a defense. Maybe they don't miss a lot of the other things, but the ability to just take somebody off a dribble, collapse a defense, spray the ball around, um, they really miss that. So so it makes sense to me, and we'll see how this evaluation goes, but this is somebody that maybe can be in your program for a while and, and develop some depth, right? I think you'd like some more stability in your roster than getting seven or eight newcomers every year or two.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think the – I- so if they don't play, it's a red shirt, right? Um, I don't know if those happen
0: a, anymore, but, hey, Perrine hasn't played yet, so.
2: Yeah, but I, I think it's interesting how Brad, I don't, you're right. Does a red shirt matter? Uh, probably not in a lot of ways, but I do think it's uh, interesting if, like, do you play in five minutes in a pinch in, in one spot, kind of knowing that that's going to – this isn't football, right? You don't get four. You don't get percentages. It's It's the second you check in. That's, that's the end, barring injury. So I, I think that's going to be an interesting approach. Uh, you know, we'll see how Brad Underwood handles that. But I think the, the big p- picture of it is takes time to get ready. You can't just throw somebody in and be a Big Ten player. I mean, Parade's been here like less than a month, dude. Moretti's- it's
0: been an interesting oh. month for Zachary Parade, by the way.
2: Oh, my goodness. Welcome to it all, man. <laughs> Here's the, the college basketball, just, buddy. You're starting to climb out of it a little bit, we think. We'll see what happens Friday. But, yeah, man, uh, I, I do like the long-term play of this, Jeremy.
0: Is the basketball back?
2: Don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know. We we're talking, again, well, just still eight hours down to two minutes here. I don't know, man. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I'm, Friday's a telling one. Because, like, right now, it's for me, it's kind of like, uh, okay, you see it. Like, Beyond just who you've beaten, and Nebraska's not very good. They've done some impressive-ish things at home this year. They're not a very good team. The win over Wisconsin was a a nice win. Um, But I don't know. Yeah, there's encouraging signs. The offense, probably the most encouraging sign. But the effort, the defense, it just seems like there's a connectedness around them right now. But I, I think we'll be able to feel a lot better in giving an answer yeah. One way or the other, after Friday against the red-hot Michigan State team. Uh,
0: by the way, Nicole Arbach just did a candidate story for the, for the Big Ten commissioner job, and of course she's got uh, Jim Phillips near the top of the list. On the athletic director, sitting athletic director, she has Gene Smith, Ohio State. He was the one I thought of. Um, Stanford AD Bernard Muir. Stanford to the Big Ten still makes so much sense. Just just the way they think, the way they act, and UCLA AD Martin Jarman. That'd be really interesting, given. Um, UCLA's just coming into the league. Uh, And then she's got a lot of non-campus candidates. Mark Silverman's the present COO of Fox Sports. Used to be present COO of Big Ten Network. Um, A couple presidents. The WNBA commissioner, Kathy Inglebart. So uh, no Whitman on that list is what I was getting to. I I think he's probably, like you said, Joey, if there's another one a decade from now, I think that's when uh, Whitman would be more into it. Uh, Last one, Joey. Uh, I'm celebrating a new president of the Bears who seems like he could take us into the 21st century. I'm celebrating the number one pick in the NFL draft. I'm celebrating having a quarterback that I think is really, really good. I can't wait to get a haul from the Colts for the number one pick. I got to ask you, though, Aaron Rodgers, is he throwing another pass for the Packers?
2: I think my connection's given out. Oh, no. <laughs> <What are> we... <laughs> Probably. Probably,
0: I do too. Sixty million dollars. Look, he can make millions of dollars doing anything.
2: I got. Let me pull this up real quick because I'm in a group chat here, and it's been pretty he, pointed out to me the he, financial ramifications.
0: He wants a year with Christian Watson, right? You saw Trey in uh, Florida and said, "Hey, love watching God, your I brother."
2: Wanted to hug him and just tell him to hug Christian for me. I didn't know if that was professional. <laughs> um, according to Sportrack, Aaron Rodgers' 2023 cap hits, if he plays for the Packers. non-restructurable. If he's traded, the cap hit is still 40.3. If he retires, the cap hit is 40.3. If he's released, the cap hits 99.7. So I look forward to seeing number 12 throwing passes (laughs) for the Green Bay Packers next year, unless someone can make this cap hit uh, worth the disaster uh, trade. You know what, Jeremy, here's the reality. They they probably should have done this last year. If, If it was time and you were gonna have to come up with these decisions, before he signed the contract, he still could have got some really good value out of him. I cannot believe I'm saying this about Aaron Rodgers. I feel so spoiled and guilty for saying this, and I'm sure you have said that uh, not around me. For- look, at yeah, he's so happy. So happy to hear me say this. Uh, look, it's clear he's lost it. Uh, not it, it. I shouldn't say that. He's lost I, step. I,
0: I fear that man too much to say he's lost it. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, don't, like yeah he- I
2: don't mean it. I don't mean it. I, I mean a step. Uh, he's not. I mean, there's throats that – watched Aaron Rodgers make for a decade this year that he didn't make, and there was a lot of pieces around that were interesting. Yeah, dude, I think he does. I think he I does think throw you. another pass for Green Bay next year. Um, and I don't and look Cameron's
0: forward sub- to it as a, as a Bears fan. I don't look forward to it. I'm just wondering... I don't like, know if
2: I do either. I'm going to level with you.
0: <laughs> are you tired of it? Are you tired of the Rogers era? Like by the end of the Farver, were you sick of the, is he coming back? Is he not? And they teases you and then he comes back because it felt like you just wanted all the love. Are you getting there with Aaron Rod? It's interesting how Aaron and Brett are completely different people, yet they're following kind of the similar
2: path. Yeah, I don't think I'm over that. I, The thing that – like there's just the cap ramifications. That's everything. That's where I'm just kind of like really hung up. It's just the price It's going to – it's going to cost it to do something one way or the other and what that means for Green Bay moving forward. Uh, but what if this was a down year? I don't know, dude. I don't know. He could come I, back, back and I be an MVP want to, candidate. I don't want to be like, I'm done with this guy because that's stupid and that's not going to age well. And he's been my favorite player since I really, really started getting into football. So, like, it sucks when I see those passes that I've seen this guy make forever not land. Uh, but I, I still in my heart, I, I don't know that I'm ready to give up. On Aaron Rodgers,
0: how many passes has Jordan Love thrown? Eighty-three. There are,
2: there are not a lot. There are not a lot, Jeremy. Thank you.
0: He'll, he'll be great anyway. So
2: you know you well, just. It, but there's also a timeline on him too, right? Like you got to make a decision on him. It's, <laughs> it's free agent It's team. Elmo Fire. It's the Elmo Fire meme happening in real life. There's one more thing. Caleb Griffin, Illinois kicker, announces. Yeah. Maybe the best return announcement not named. I think it was was Michael Marquez who dropped the Simpson one. Yes. Last year. Maybe the best return announcement, not named Michael Marques, with yeah. Caleb Griffin throwing out the Perry Ellis reference. Yeah, from Kansas. Uh, but that's oh, I'll write about that as soon as we're done here, Jeremy. But that's a it's a, an interesting return, Pro- probably a, a a big return, dare I say, for Illinois football. Uh, you're not relying on redshirt freshman David Alano, who's got all the talent in the world. Look at that. Good for Caleb Griffin. He he gets it. He really gets it. Um, but it's you're not just going to put all your eggs in, in the David Alano basket if you're Illinois. Caleb Griffin, he had some downs early this season, but he really leveled out, and he's a veteran kicker in this program.
0: I feel a heck of a lot better about their specialist room. Hugh Robertson, pretty good end of the year. Right, It was a really bumpy up-and-down road, but now you have Declan Dooley coming in to give him competition. Another scholarship guy. David Alano sir sort of looked the part uh, the All-American Bowl, a record-setting in that game. Army All-American Bowl is what it used to be called. No longer the Army All-American Bowl, just the All-American Bowl. Hits a 50-yard field goal, hits another 36-yarder. Uh, didn't get a lot of reps in high school, right? This is a kid that was just playing soccer two years ago. Uh, he's a legit... Looks like he's 155 pounds soaking wet, but man, he's got he's got a big leg. Mikael Griffin ended the year extremely well. You wish he would have gotten more opportunities, uh, but the wind was was so hectic uh, and all of that. So feel pretty good about that. And then uh, Casey Washington announces he's returning uh, as well. So uh, wide receiver room, you feel like it's got a higher floor. Joey Isaiah Williams, Casey Washington, Pat Bryant, and then all of a sudden you got these young guys coming in. We'll see what Sean Miller, Ian Pugh, Ashton Hollins, Hank Beatty can do year two. And what uh, a talented class! And Malik Elzey, uh Colin Dixon, and Canary Wilcher can add. Um, even though you lost Brian Hightower, I feel better about that room than I have in a long time.
2: Yeah, Brian Hightower to Cal. He announced on on Instagram yesterday. I think I looked it. I, I did look it up. I'll, I'll share. It. It's been out there long enough now. In the last two classes, Illinois football signed five top one thousand composite wide receivers. Before that, so that would have been the twenty one to I think was it. I have the twenty seventeen. Was that the number? 2017, 2016 The, the, the Lovey signed...
0: Smith era in recruiting wide receivers was atrocious.
2: It was not good. It was not good at all. Um, I Were there any – like, Casey Washington, I guess you could say, was a gym. Like, he's a good player. Like, he's a fine player. They
0: tried to rely on a lot of Andrew Hayes Stoker evaluations, and Casey Washington is solid. Dale yeah, Von Campbell a had a player. solid year at Nevada, right? Like, but – they just—they did not win enough recruitments. This staff starting George McDonald's winning, real recruitments for wide receivers.
2: This room has been—it's been a really impressive talent accrual. We got to see a lot of that still translate on the field, but the talent accrual in this room has been really, really impressive.
0: Yeah, and the uh, talent development the last couple of years has been. Do you want to?
2: Do you want to real quick? I know we—I got to write two here, but yeah. 2023 rankings are out for 24/7 Sports basketball. Okay. Uh, real, real quickly, let me find. I know Dre Gibbs
0: Alhorn took a little tumble because Dre Gibbs Alhorn hasn't played a lot. Like he just left Montverde. I don't love the transferring a lot, um, and that's happened with Dre Gibbs Alhorn.
2: That's right. Uh, Amani so that's, that's that's, that, that's another
0: reason. That's another reason. By the way, I think it's important to get a guy like Moretti. I think you need to get another stable guy in that room.
2: That's right. I, I agree with that. Amani Hansberry, however, moved up to forty-three, top fifty guy, as he should be. Uh, Good evaluation by Illinois. Good job closing that down by Illinois. And then, as you mentioned, Dre Gibbs Ballhorns out of the top 100. I think we looked at it was 121, uh, I believe was the number for him.
0: Yeah, I think uh, 121, 122. Joey Wagner, thank you, buddy.
2: Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Good stuff from Joey.
0: Good stuff from Derek. Appreciate their time. That's going to do it for us on the Online Choir podcast. Everybody, take care of each other. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Choir podcast.
2: Bye, everybody.